We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Welcome into an emergency pod. The Indiana Pacers have traded for Corey Joseph. We're here to talk about all things here on Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. Kidding aside, this is an NBA trade deadline recap podcast where the Pacers parted ways with Buddy Heald, and they reacquired some familiar faces, Doug McDermott, Corey Joseph, and here to talk with me about that is the one and only, the president of the Germano Fan Club, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how we doing, brother? I'm doing good. Active day. I, I worried. I did. I said, you know what? A lot of big names have been moved. There's just not enough chatter. All of a sudden, hey, the NBA trade deadline is who we thought it was. Very busy. A lot of stuff going on. Pacers were active. You could ask yourself, did they get better? Did they get worse? I don't know, but they were active. And I think that it always makes for a fun day because no other sport has a trade deadline quite like the NBA. Absolutely, Pachi. And so to get things started, it was around 10, 1030 in the morning. The Pacers almost kind of got things started off for NBA trade deadline as they traded away sharpshooter Buddy Heald to the Philadelphia 76ers. And this is what they got back in this originally reported trade. Marcus Morris, Burkhan Korkmaz, a 2024 second round pick that is the best of Toronto and three other teams, a 2029 Clippers second round pick unprotected and a 2029 Trailblazers second round pick 
that is unprotected. Let's just kind of go in order of here, chronological order here of how these trades happened. When you saw Buddy Hield was moved to Philadelphia for these two players and those three picks, what was your initial reaction? I looked at it and I went, I don't know if the Pacers got better, but I understand that Buddy's time as a Pacer was coming to an end. And just like we talked about recently, you can't really let an expiring asset walk. You have to find a way to get some sort of value for it. We've obviously seen... You know, Buddy's role on the Pacers has been reduced. His his production has been reduced as well. And the Pacers were able to get a few assets, in, in, in specific, those three second-round picks. You looked at Korkmaz, you looked at Marcus Morris, probably guys that we didn't feel would be sticking around. I know you had a tweet saying, I don't even know if these guys were able to suit up, ever suit up for the Pacers. We'll get to that next. But I felt that the Pacers knew that they were not going to come to a new deal with Buddy Heald. And they found an opportunity to uh, accumulate some picks for him. Yeah, I, honestly, like I, I think out of everything that the Pacers got back here, that 2024 second round pick, that is the best of Toronto and three other teams, was the best asset in this deal for what the Pacers got back. Now, I do think Buddy Hill leaving, it doesn't make us better. You said you it thought does it doesn't make us better or not. No, it, it makes us clearly worse. Yes. I mean, losing Buddy Hill, there are pros and cons to his game. And we talked a lot about trading him. But I don't think we threw any trade ideas out where we were getting this type of return back for Buddy Hield because we valued Buddy Hield a lot more than what other teams did in the salary situation. So there was clear reports that the Pacers were having an issue or not having an issue, but they were unwilling or they were unable to come to an agreement with Buddy Hield on what an extension could look like. So because of that, I feel like that's what led to this being a, a, a day where they traded Buddy Hield. My only question was why Philadelphia, out of all the teams in the league to trade him to, this is a team that could play in the first round. I don't think Buddy Hill's going to have that much of a drastic impact on what happens, but you don't usually see a lot of guys get traded to other playoff teams in the same in the same conference. So was a little bit surprised that it was the Philadelphia 76ers, but I'm kind of glad for Buddy because even with Embiid being injured, I think the Sixers still make the playoffs, and so Buddy Hill will finally get a chance to play in the playoffs. I was going to say, this pretty much guarantees that Buddy's going to the playoffs this year, whether it was with the Pacers or Philly. You know, hey, good for him. I think Indiana did right by sending him to, you know, not like a uh, one of the, the dumpster fires of the NBA. Like, it's not like Buddy got shipped to Detroit, and all of a sudden it's like, woo, we did him dirty. But one thing that I think that when you ask why Philly, Philly entered today with six second-round picks that they had that they could move, and I think that – that might have been the team that they were able to get the most picks from. Mm-hmm. First, A first-round pick did not seem that it was ever on the table for Buddy Heald once this season started, or in even more specific, as of the last month or so as his production had dipped. So I think that you look at this, you know, Marcus Morris, Cork Maz, I mean, those are just players that Indiana was not taking on any future money. So I think that that was also important is they didn't want to, you know, uh, have the, the the salary cap impacted moving forward. But I think you kind of hope maybe they could have ended up with a little bit of a younger player. I don't know, maybe it's a KJ Martin or, or anyone that I think could have potentially played into uh, future plans. But I think Indiana played it safe and they said, you know what, we're going to accumulate some assets. And at that point, I looked at that deal. I said, this can't be the only deal. It can't. There's got to be something after this. And it turns out there was. Yeah, and I and I really didn't think Marcus Morris would ever see himself in a Pacers uniform. And a lot of people are saying, I don't think Korkmaz does. And I said, well, I think he actually could more so than Morris. I just don't think Morris has a fit with this team. And I don't think that they really need any players at his position. They don't. They've already kind of got themselves loaded there. So 
like we kind of expected, another move did happen, and the Indiana Pacers sent Marcus Morris to the San Antonio Spurs with that 2029 second round pick they got in that deal with Philly from the Clippers for Doug McDermott, another former Pacer coming back to Indiana, someone that you brought up on our Trade Ideas podcast in terms of looking at a guy that could be moved here. And I even think I asked you, who would you rather have on this team moving forward, Buddy Hilder, Doug McDermott? And we had that conversation. So, you know, uh, maybe the guys are listening to us on the podcast and thought about it, but I just think it made a lot of sense because he is an expiring contract as well, around 13.1, 13.9 million, something like that. So, you know, a, a nice move for the Pacers. I think so. And I know it's easy to be like, oh, McDermott, like, what are we doing? This guy's a lights out shooter. He's shooting 44% from three this year. He's historically been a really good shooter. Like we talked about, he is expiring. So what's the harm in that? When you give up a guy like Buddy Heald, one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the NBA, you're going to have, you know, um, you're going to experience a drop-off from three-point shooting. And I think that as much as we like Ben Shepard, Look, Ben Shepard's not ready to fill the shoes of a Buddy Heald. I think that Doug McDermott is someone that could play that lesser role. Maybe he's playing a couple of minutes. Maybe he's playing 10 minutes. Whatever it is, you're going to be able to count on, okay, this is a really good three-point shooter with the style that Indiana likes to play. I know there's no longer a Sabonis on this team, but, hey, the the (laughs) two-man game between him and Sabonis back in the day, pick and roll, I mean, it was nice. People liked it. And uh, I think bringing in Doug McDermott made me feel a lot better because I looked around after Buddy Hill was moved and I went, oh, man, I I just don't know who's going to step up from a three-point standpoint. Doug McDermott, he'll be the guy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his role looks like here with the Pacers because when Buddy Hill was initially moved and that's all they got back was Maz and Marcus Morris, I thought, okay, Ben Shepard, now is your time. You know, this is an opportunity for Ben Shepard to get some more minutes. And we've kind of seen an uptick in his minutes with this rotation. Now, obviously, there were injuries, so that's kind of why they felt like they needed to play him. But I felt like in those minutes, for the most part, they were they were pretty solid. And the best way, I think, to kind of get in there and just figure things out is just to throw him to the wolves, right? Like, let him learn on the fly instead of sitting there and watching. I've always said that, like, the best kind of experience you're going to get is that in-game experience instead of practice. But, you know, they, they get in a veteran, the guy that can maybe help, you know, kind of fill that shooting need that they just lost in Buddy Hield. Obviously, I think Buddy Hield's a much better shooter, more of a dynamic shooter with his constant movement and how much attention he draws. But, you know, Doug McDermott did some good things here, and he did play for Rick Carlisle Focci before he was an Indiana Pacer, and he had some really good numbers there. I think he shot like 49.4% from three in like 26 games for Carlisle and had nine points a game. So obviously, like, he can can find a way to fit into this system. So I don't think it's a bad move, especially since there is a possibility, Focci, that I think they could re-sign him to a much cheaper number in the offseason to kind of just have another shooting threat out there, even though he is you know, probably on the back end of his career. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's 32 years old. He just turned 32 last month. Some people might actually think that Doug McDermott could be older because of the years that he spent in college and, and all of that, but still a very good three-point shooter in this league. And going back to my point on Ben Shepard, look, I know everybody looks at Ben Shepard. Hey, three-point shooter. Shooting 27%. Yeah, not shooting shooter. the ball well. <laughs> he's not. He's hustling. He's playing some good defense, and, and that's been great to see. And I think that he will be a good three-point shooter in this league. But for right now, it would have been way too much to ask Ben Shepard to step up and be, you know, like a three-point shooter like Buddy Heald is. So the volume for McDermott's obviously less. He's attempting close to about four threes per game. But just someone that you know you can count on. If he's wide open, I feel fewer shooters in the league are more reliable than a Doug McDermott. Um, so 
that move made me feel a little bit better. And then I started looking at this. I said, okay, look, if that's all the Pacers do, all right, that's fine. But it actually wasn't the last move that Indiana did. Yeah, they had one more move, and it was right at the 3 o'clock buzzer. We got the news a little bit after the 3 o'clock buzzer hit. The Pacers acquired another former uh, another former Pacer, a guy that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. The reason we're even doing this is they reacquired Corey freaking Joseph, okay? I know I'm kidding, obviously. Corey Joseph is coming to the Pacers as well as a top 55 protected uh, 2025 pick from the Charlotte Hornets. So that is not going to come to the Pacers. And they a also chance got chance to hit the lottery than, yeah. than getting that pick. Yeah. They, they got $5.8 million in cash from Golden State to take on Corey Joseph's contract. And in return, the Pacers sent back the worst of the three second-rounders that they entered with today, which is from the Pelicans, Bucks, and Cavaliers. So the Pacers had three second-round picks. We already talked about that before. And we're like, how are they going to make all these picks? Well, they just traded one of those. And uh, Tony wow. East had this information, so I want to give him credit there for that. So a lot of you guys might be wondering, why Corey Joseph? What does this deal really do? Well, if you think about it, getting that $5.8 million in cash, even though I think they did send some cash out later uh, in another deal, it just helps them have that extra cash to go out there and buy a second-round pick if they want to. We saw the Lakers buy one for, I think, $3 million from the Pacers last year. So that does help them with acquiring more second-round picks. But when you trade away a guy like Buddy Hill, someone that is very close to Tyrese Halliburton, you have to kind of fill that void. And so Dustin Dopirak of the Indy Star brought up a great point. He said, not to overplay the how does Halliburton feel about this storyline, but Halliburton and, and, and Corey Joseph were tight when they played together in Sacramento. And this past summer, uh, Ty Tyrese Halliburton went to Corey Joseph's wedding. So I think that that does kind of maybe fill that void of losing a friend to bring another friend in as another veteran, another guy that's been here. So we'll see if he stays on the roster. Not sure what they're going to do, but if he does stay on the roster, it does give them that third string, uh, you know, break the glass in case of emergency point guard. Now that you know Andrew Nimhardt's fully going to be playing the starting two two spot, you might want that third string point guard. Yeah, and look, that's a that's a good fact to know. I did not know they were friends like that. I think that that helps. And hey, look, you always want to keep your star player happy. Obviously, we know when you're talking about Buddy Heel, like yeah, it's a sensitive subject. But you don't want to rub Tyrese wrong. So I think that's cool to have. Uh, you know, if they are close like that, that that's that's awesome. But also, Corey Joseph is an ultimate pro. He is a true veteran. I think that. The Pacers, you know, they acquired more veterans on this deal between Doug McDermott, Corey Joseph, guys that have, A, been Pacers before, but B, have been around the league. And I think that that's important. Um, so, Corey Joseph, I, I just don't know if he sticks around or maybe, to put it in a better way, sees the court like that. I don't think this is Corey Joseph from 2017, 2018, who's going to be playing, you know, some killer defense. It has been Quite a few years, but I mean, uh, you know, it made me want to look back on that 2017 roster and, you know, almost be like, hey, you know what, where was I at that time? Because it just feels like, wow, so much time's gone by, yet these players are, are coming back to Indiana. It was just uh, an interesting, fun thing. So I don't know if this will, will be how the roster stays, because obviously, hey, and the next thing we got to talk about is there's no James Johnson then if right. the roster stays like this. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate between Cork Maz or Corey Joseph? that either of these guys may be bought out. Could be bought out, could be waived. You never know. I mean, it doesn't hurt either way, I don't think. You know, just James Johnson signed those two 10-day contracts. We talked about that. It expired last night. So that means the Pacers had two open spots when they, you know, entered the day. So they only had 13 guys on the roster. So they sent out one, they acquired three. So that does fill that up, like you mentioned. So 
I, I think Korkmaz, 26 years old, Turkish player, could make a little bit more sense long-term for the Pacers than a Corey Joseph. So maybe that's a guy that gets bought out. But we'll see what happens. I don't think Corey Joseph really provides that much to this team besides just that friendship that he could have with Tyrese Halliburton, a nice veteran in the locker room. Like it's pretty much like the George Hill role all over again, but yeah. probably worse in terms of I think so. who the actual player is. So that could make some sense, but either way, I think that James Johnson will be brought back on this roster to finish the season out with, because if you're going to move off of Buddy Hill, do you need someone that's Tyrese's friend? And I think that's where James Johnson plays a big factor in this because his presence in the locker room is huge. And it's not understated. that he is basically uh, an extension of the coaching staff no doubt. being in that locker room. So it's like a player coach, kind of like the Udonis Haslam role. And I think that that's where Indiana really values him. And he has much more value to this team than a Korkmaz or a Corey Joseph. So my gut says that they cut Corey Joseph kind of like they did Serge Ibaka last year. But I could also see them just cutting Korkmaz as well and letting him find a home potentially where he could have a role in the playoffs for a team that is thin in terms of like their overall depth. Yeah, I just think that James Johnson is very vital. You can't grab a seat when you come out from the game without having James Johnson talk to you first. And I, I just think that that is very vital. You could see it on TV all the time. He's always has some sort of advice to give this Pacers team. And I just feel that, I don't know, it, it, There's no, like I said, there's no way to ever track some of the the impact that James Johnson has had in terms of wins or losses. But I just feel that his presence around the team is very important. For Corey mm -hmm. Joseph, I, I think that this is probably towards the end of his career. Korkmaz, like you mentioned, he's he's younger. And I think that he's also had a history in this NBA of being a real solid three-point shooter. He's had a couple of years where he's been around, you know, 39, 40%. Even just, uh, I'm looking at this right now, on January 30th, he dropped 19 points against Gold State on six of eight shooting. He scored in double digits uh, less than a week ago against Brooklyn. I just feel that he has a little bit more to offer at this point in his career on the court than a guy like Corey Joseph, like you mentioned, that might just be like, hey, you and Tyrese are friends. You know, it's like, ah, that could only go oh so far. So I, I think it would be more important to bring James Johnson back. But at the same point, that's going to be something I think we're going to find out within the next, you know, maybe 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, so just to kind of recap everything that happened today, Tony East put this out in a great tweet. Uh, I just want to give him credit because it's where I'm getting it from. So he said, all put together for the Pacers today in Doug McDermott, Corey Joseph, Furkan Korkmaz, 2024 second that's likely Toronto's, a 2029 second from Philly, $5.8 million in cash that they got from Golden State, and then $1.2 million, $1 million in cash that they got from Philadelphia. Now they're sending out $320,000 to the San Antonio Spurs, more cash, the worst 2024 second of their own, and Buddy Hield. So all in all, I feel like the most valuable player asset in this entire deal that got moved today was the Pacers' own Buddy Hield. I think he was number one if you're ranking all of these things, but I don't think it was the worst situation for the Pacers, knowing that he was going to walk for nothing. And Fachi, I told you this off air, but I just want to revisit it right now because there were some rumblings out there that the Pacers had interest in maybe signing Gordon Hayward early this morning before the Buddy Hill deal took place. And with having the open roster spots, it kind of felt like, okay, that could make sense. And then about an hour later, he gets shipped to Oklahoma City in a, in a three-for-one type of deal and they took on that $31 million that he has to try to help bolster their roster a little bit, get a veteran in there. And I think that, to me, is when the Pacers decided, let's pivot a little bit and go out there and get a McDermott and, and maybe try to fill in that void. Because I'm not saying McDermott and Hayward are the same players, but, you know, 
that that's a shooter, right? And I think that if they're not able to get Hayward, like who else are they going to be able to get out on the buyout market? I don't think there's a lot of names that make a lot of sense right now. We'll, we'll look at that in a couple of weeks probably. But to me, pivoting to get McDermott and get off uh, Morris made a lot of sense. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm not happy with everything they did today, but I completely understand it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's where I'm at. I am not going to be someone that is saying the Pacers got better after the trade deadline. The deals make sense for the team in terms of, look, that Toronto pick, that could be a top 40 pick in this draft. It very well could be. And we saw last year a guy like Gigi Jackson go in the second round when the Pacers were not able to acquire him and because he just went, I think, I don't know, somewhere around 44 or so. And the Pacers were at 47. Um, so I just feel that, hey, you never know what's going to happen with that pick. Maybe they're able to swing that draft pick, you know, for in a trade on draft night. We'll find out. Having that extra cash, is important. We'll see what they want to do come draft night. So this is like a little bit of a to be continued in regards to what you do with assets. I think getting a 2029 second round pick could be very valuable in a trade. I'm maybe not very valuable. It could be valuable in a trade down the line, but the Pacers knew they weren't going to re-sign Buddy Heald. And it simply came down to how do we get something for him and how do we try and also win now? Corey Joseph, Cork Maz, I don't think that they're going to fit into um the Pacers' plans, you know, long-term, especially as as they don't have uh, any money on their contract past this season. But I think that, Indiana, you made a great point. I think they probably were scanning that buyout market, and it's looking a lot thinner than maybe uh, they had hoped. And mm-hmm. we'll see We'll see what happens. Maybe there is a surprise name that, that hits it, hits the market, but there was also quite a few teams that held pat, did not buy out players, kind of didn't make any moves. And I think that Indiana said, you know what? Maybe Doug McDermott is the best that we can get given this situation. And also maybe they're, they might've been, we don't know what could have been happening internally. Obviously, Buddy Hill did not look the most thrilled player the last couple of weeks, seeing his role decreased, maybe having games where he's not really playing that much in the fourth quarter times where his shots are very much down. I think the Pacers wanted to and have done right by their players in the past by being able to send them to a place where they could play more, maybe a place that, not in this situation, but a place where you're going to be contending for something rather than, you know, at the bottom of the standings. Yeah. For for me, I just feel like this simplified the rotations a little bit more for Rick Carlisle. And we knew that like going into the season, this team was really loaded. And so they end up getting rid of Bruce Brown and Jordan Ward for Pascal Siakam. They trade Buddy Hill. They get some other guys that probably aren't 
as impactful as as a Buddy Hield is. So now you know Andrew Nimmard's probably the likely starter moving forward at the shooting yep. guard spot. But it does open a lot more opportunity now for Benedict Matherin because mm -hmm. we know Rick Carlisle was a huge fan of Buddy Hield and played him a lot of minutes. And there was times where he just wrote him out as a starter. So. You know, we talked about Buddy Hield's numbers off the bench. I think it was 18 and 26, or 18 and 6, excuse me, when he came off the bench. Something around 25% uh, of the losses when he came off the bench were much better than when he started. So, you know, 75% of the Pacers, or they won like 75% of the games he came off the bench. So you could kind of tell where Buddy Hield was better suited at, and that was a bench player. And I think Buddy Hield was a trooper this whole season. Like, you never was saw him complain. Really good locker room presence like i shared a video from media day where tyrese is getting interviewed and buddy interrupts the interview to ask him about if he's going to play for the olympics with team usa next year and you know about the bahamas going to beat his butt and everything so you know i i just really liked buddy hield as a person as a personality on this team he made light everything lighthearted. like there was a practice i was at and he's like singing at the top of his lungs and Miles Turner is trying to do an interview and he can't even hear the questions being asked because Buddy's just being so loud. And so in the middle of the interview, Miles just goes, shut up, <laughs> you know, but that is just Buddy. He's just such a really good guy. And so you do wonder, like, what are the ripple effects with Tyrese Halliburton? How does he feel about this? And, you know, he kind of went to Buddy's defense the last game, mm -hmm. really praising the things that Buddy does. So, you know, Kalen Cooper's pointed out a lot of great things in terms of how Buddy can be impactful, even if he's not scoring the ball or shooting the ball particularly well. It just, to me, felt like more of a business decision than it did an on-court decision. And I think that's where you have to really look at this. The Pacers kind of had their hands tied. It was either let them walk for nothing in June or let them walk for something, potentially, in February. So they acted early. They were proactive instead of reactive. And as someone once said, you know, that, that messaged me today, they didn't want to get Fred Van Bleeded. They didn't want to get left at the altar for nothing. It's true. And I know there's half the people on Twitter that are like, how could we do this? You know, blah, blah, blah. Guys, separate yourself from like really liking Buddy, the person and the player of this, and think of it from a front office standpoint. Just like you mentioned, this is a business decision. The Pacers didn't get much, but they got something for someone that was going to walk. And if Buddy had just walked, everybody would have said, you should have traded him at the deadline for something. And there just was not. A, a young player and a first-round pick or anything of that sort to be out there. But Buddy, someone that needed more minutes, needed more shots, and I think that that wasn't happening right now. I actually saw a great great tweet that was out there that the Patriots are 12 and 14 when Buddy takes 10 or more shots. Mm -hmm. They're 6 and 12 when he takes 12 or more shots. 3 and 8 when he takes 14 or more shots. And 1 and 5 when he takes 15 or more shots. This is a guy that needs the ball in order to influence the game. And I felt that the Pacers did not have the same amount of shots to go around that he's used to. So I'm looking forward to a guy like Benedict Matherin to really be able to step up, be that anchor of the second unit from a scoring standpoint. Guys like Ben Shepard that can step up. I just think that, you know, for Andrew Nemhard, yeah, that, that's more minutes for him to go around. It's just something that should be able to elevate the rest of the team. Doug McDermott, I don't know exactly how many minutes he'll be playing, but I, I, I do feel better that the Pacers went out and acquired McDermott because they would have been significantly worse if they had just not made that secondary move. Yeah, I was kind of figuring, I was thinking like, what are they going to do? Are they going to buy out Morris? Are they going to buy out Corkmaz? Like, are they going to wait for someone to hit the buyout market? Because this cannot be the only thing they do. Like, you cannot lose a rotational player and not bring somebody back in. At least it makes some sense. Like, 
even if you feel like Ben Shepard is ready, right? It's just tough to trust a rookie in a playoff series. And I'm not even going to say that I'm going to trust Doug McDermott because we saw how terrible he was against the Heat in the bubble playoff series. Now that was without Sabonis and, you know, but Sabonis ain't here either. So it's going to be a totally different offense though. And that's one thing we have to look at. Like this is just a totally different, not like sluggish offense that's in the half court with McMillan. Like, no, they're playing fast. They're playing more to McBucket style of play in terms of being able to shoot and stuff. So we know he's a good three-point shooter. There's no doubt about it. That's what Doug does great, and I think that Rick Carlisle is going to like him and probably play him somewhere close to 15 minutes a game would be my rough guess. You know, I'm not sure exactly how many minutes he's played this year. I thought it was 14 the last time I checked, but um, he's not played a lot in San Antonio, but he just talked about how he loves San Antonio, how he wouldn't mind retiring in San Antonio. Just I saw that a couple of days ago, and now they move him. So I'm sure they were in talks with him, and he probably signed off on, yeah, I would go back to Indiana. I had a really good time there, so... It just made so. sense for Indiana to do the sign and trade with San Antonio a few years ago when they did for McDermott. But, you know, this was one of the biggest free agent signings of Pacers history in a long time ago when they got McDermott at the at the start of the at the start yep. of the free agency, Fachi. You were excited about uh, that one. I mean, look, you never expect that to be the move that happens the second free agency strikes, but but it was. I looked at it so McDermott was playing 15.2 minutes per game. With San Antonio, I do see him somewhere between that 10 to 15 minute range. But it's also like if McDermott's not seeing the court, it's at times it's not a storyline compared to Buddy Heel, where it's like, oh, Buddy's out of the starting lineup or, you know, Buddy didn't play in the fourth and it becomes more emphasized. I think McDermott's going to be able to say, hey, I'll take whatever role you give me. And I I think at that point, honestly, one other thing, I just miss saying McBuckets. It's one of the best nicknames out there. I'm happy we could do it again. And, uh, you know, short term, I'm also happy that, you know, we're playing the long-term game of we did not take on any additional salary that then goes, oh, man, that's going to make things difficult. But my question to you, do you think the Pacers were, do you think there was any realistic offers out there for an OB Toppin or anything of the sort? Or do you think the Pacers at one point were just like, you know what, let's not do too much. We don't want to shake things up or don't make a trade just to make one of like, it doesn't make sense to then trade OB and Buddy for essentially a bunch of second round picks. Yeah, I mean, they still control what happens with OB Toppin with with restricted free agency. So they could just elect to bring him back and just kind of ride it out and figure things out. I, I don't really feel like there was a lot of power forwards move today. PJ Washington was one. Uh, if you want to label Bogdanovich, Bojan as one, he's kind of a small forward, power forward in today's NBA. But, you know, there weren't a lot of big men moving. And so it's like, if you're going to trade him, like, what are you getting back in return? Like, you're obviously at this point, like, fans were hoping maybe if we move Obi Toppin, then all of a sudden that means Jairus Walker will get that opportunity. And it's like, I don't think that was going to happen. Like, I have people in my DMs asking me this, and I said, look, I get what you're saying, but Carlisle is not going to trust Jairus Walker in a playoff series. He will just go small and he'll play Aaron Neesmith at the four or he'll go big and, and play Jalen Smith at the four. So to me, I wasn't surprised. Buddy Hill, excuse me, not Buddy Hill. Obi Toppin has been good for the Pacers this year. He's not been great, but he's been fine. They can figure that out. They have a little bit more, you know, they have a little bit more of a freedom to make that move in the offseason than having to make it right now. Yes, he is a free agent, but he's a restricted free agent. So they can at least determine where he goes maybe they can do a sign and trade if they find something out there so there's more optionality there with buddy hill they were kind of strapped they didn't really have a choice so 
there wasn't a lot of great names out there moved. I mean, if you're ta- talking about Obi Toppin for Royce O'Neal, like, yeah, that might move the needle a little bit, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just felt like they needed to keep a little bit of size that they have and fits the system. I, I think so. I think if the Pacers had just traded Obi just to trade him, like, look, you mentioned about Royce O'Neal, something like that. Okay, sure, that makes sense. But if you had just traded him just to do it, and then you traded Buddy Heald, all of a sudden the Pacers bench is a lot weaker. And this is supposed to be one of the strengths of this team is their bench unit. So I don't think that you want to do too much. So I'm happy in this scenario of keeping Obi top because when you talked about fans saying, hey, you're going to give Jarris Walker you know, a, a bigger role. So the Pacers were just going to go from winning games to giving a bigger role to Ben Shepard and Jarris Walker at this no time. Way. Like That doesn't really translate to winning more games. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fun from a development standpoint, but that's the type of move you make when you're – looking to go in the opposite direction and say, hey, you know what, let's emphasize the youth, maybe a higher draft pick. That's not where the Pacers are going. So I do think that there's there's a lot to be excited about this team. No one's going to be running to, to buy a Doug McDermott jersey right now by any hey. means. But you know what? We could still play a really good style of offensive basketball that I'm excited about. And the buyout market, we just got to keep an eye on that. I mean, I remember in the past, you know, Wesley Matthews, what was that that guy that the Pacers signed? You know what? Who knows what happens? But for now, I, I think that uh, you know Indiana could could do some pretty good things going on, especially as they go into that All Star break. Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to keep bringing this up, and I promise I'll quit talking about Gordon Hayward and until the off season when he's a free agent. So this will be my this will be my farewell to Gordon Hayward for the next four months. But hitting the pause button on it. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna say like if they thought there was a realistic opportunity for them to bring him in. In the buyout market, he's more of a four than he is really a three. Like he's a little bit slower now in his age, a little bit bigger. Could they have parted with Obi Top and knowing that okay, we can get Royce O'Neill, then go sign Gordon Hayward in the in the buyout market? Is that something that they realized kind of was taken away from them when he was eventually dealt to Oklahoma City? Like that deal felt like it came out of nowhere. Like we didn't really hear much about Gordon Hayward. Like, yeah, he has his time here in Charlotte's done, but like everybody thought, who's gonna trade for a guy that's on $31 million of expiring contracts, you know, like that's a lot of money. And, you know, I thought he would probably not get traded and then get bought out similar to what probably happens with Kyle Lowry. So we'll see. I know that Charlotte made some interesting moves today. It did. And uh, I think one of the most shocking moves to me today was the Daniel Gafford trade going to Dallas. Rashawn Holmes in a first round pick for, for Daniel Gafford. First rounder. I look, I, I knew when I brought up Gaffer the other day, I was like, look, this would be a good get for Indiana, but we did not have the assets in order to compete with that. And uh look, hey, I think Dallas Dallas made some good moves. I, I think that that's interesting to get Gafford as well as um PJ Washington. PJ Washington. Yeah. I mean that that's a that's a big get for, for Dallas. So I think they did really good. And I think the Knicks Knicks won I the mean, deadline. The Knicks won the deadline. They got my boy Alec Burks, which I knew someone was going to snatch up. I really just I, I would have loved that addition for Indiana. But also Boyan. Yeah. I mean, not requiring a first round pick. We heard that Detroit turned down two firsts for him last year, which you know you're always a little bit skeptical to say did that really happen. But for for Detroit to walk away with just not even getting one first round pick uh, in that situation, I thought was very interesting. The Knicks look like a scary team that is really, uh, really, you know, gearing up for it. And then I think that some of the the teams at the top really kind of held pat. I mean, the 
the, the Celtics made very, very minor moves. The Bucks brought in Patrick Beverly. I, I thought that was a good move for them. But uh, for, for Indiana, I mean, I don't think people are saying Indiana got better, but I think that we, we did what we had to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just think that with New York making the moves that they made today, man, that makes their roster really deep. They're deep. Yeah, they, they might have the deepest 12-man roster in the NBA when everyone's fully healthy. Somebody like tweeted back at me and said, well, I can make a case for the Pacers. And I'm like, no, you can't. You can try, but you're just there's yeah. no way. A lot of it's um, potential-based, like young players yeah. growing into what they could be one day. Yeah. I mean, Brunson, Randall, Ananobi, Mitchell Robinson, Bojan Bogdanovic, Josh Hart, Alec Burks, Dante DiVincenzo, Hartenstein, Precious Achua, uh, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims, like – that's a the pretty bodies. tough lineup yeah. right there. I'm just telling you, like, if somebody gets hurt, you know, there's an X-man-up mentality. There's just, you know, there's not a – there's two all-stars on that team. Yeah. There's not two top ten players on that team. But, like, yeah. Ananobi, one of the best defenders in the league. Mitchell Robinson, one of the best rim protectors. Like, Bojan, a great three-point shooter, guy that can get his own solid defensively heart. And DiVincenzo have already fit in so well. Your guy, Burks, is, you know, a very Great solid dude. guy. Played with New yep. York before, too. So, mm-hmm. uh, Hartenstein, I think he's been awesome. And the yeah. time that uh, that uh, Robinson's been out. So, yeah, I'm not trying to sit here and overly praise the Knicks, but I was just like, when they got Bullion and Alec Burks for the return that they gave up, like they gave up Quentin Grimes, they gave up Evan Fournier, they gave up... Not in the rotation, you know? It's just yeah. kept all their first-round picks. It's just like, they are, they're doing it right. And the Knicks mm-hmm. have been a laughing stock of the NBA for, you know, about a 20-year span, it felt like. And they have protected the assets that they have where now they can still go out there and make a big move this offseason. It's kind of like the running joke of the NBA. The Knicks want to trade for a star. Yeah, they've wanted to do that forever. But they still have the assets in place in order to be able to do it. And they know the style. Hey, they want to play good defensive ball, but adding Bogdanovich obviously is going to give them an offensive boost. And I think that uh, they were definitely hands down the winners of this trade deadline. We, uh, You and I talked offline that – you know, Gordon Hayward was the, actually the only player to make an all-star game that it was moved at this deadline. So not a lot of big names, but uh, a lot of good role players were moved today. And I want to say the only all-star that was moved all season long was Pascal Siakam, right? Besides Hayward? Uh, well, it depends how Kyle early Lowry was moved. Go. That's right. Kyle Lowry was moved. James Harden was moved. That's like, right. The second he was game moved earlier. Man, I'm, like, I'm just thinking like yeah, since, I know. since December 30th, right? Yeah. Yes. Since yes. the Knicks traded OG Ananobi, it feels like all the moves since then. I can't remember, but it's like there hasn't been a lot of big names moved at the deadline this year, but there were a lot moved early throughout the season. So we did kind of see those sexy names get moved. We did. Um, Isaiah Livers as well. He got yeah, moved. Early. Can't, can't forget about him, you know? <laughs> Long live livers. You know, they Washington depleted their roster even more, but they're hanging on to Kyle Kuzma at least for year one of his extension. And Tyus Jones, who's expiring. I I was stunned that they didn't move him. He's playing well. I thought they wanted a first round pick for him. Maybe they sign him in the offseason, do a sign and trade and get more money. I mean, there's always options there, but enough about that, Fachi. This is going to wrap it up for our Pacers trade deadline podcast we're going to put this out asap but have no fear we'll be back tonight to talk about the pacers seven or excuse me pacers uh golden state warriors game and we'll be doing that game recap after the game but why you go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you can find us on twitter at pacers pod stp you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore fa cci you can find us on instagram at pacers pod stp 
can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video content, specifically our post-game recaps, but I'm going to try to put this one up there as well so everybody can hear our thoughts on the trade deadline, what the Pacers did. But with that being said, if this is your first time listening to this show, thanks so much for being a part. And we end the show like this every time. So, Fachi, if you're excited for the rest of the season for the Indiana Pacers, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace.